From St. Mark's Gospel, Jesus said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning. You ever notice something? Uh, that things in life rarely go as you expect. There's an old expression that life is full of surprises. I think that's true. I think we can all attest to that. Uh, certainly I can. If you'd told me when I was a senior in college or in graduate school for that matter, that someday I'd be a 55-year-old man with an 18-year-old youngest daughter uh, serving a parish in Vero Beach, Florida as a priest, let alone a Christian, preaching a sermon, I would have told you that you are absolutely crazy. Life does not always go the way you expect. Life is, as they say, full of surprises. Sometimes good, sometimes not so good. But here's the question we're going to look at today, which I think is an important one. How do we as Christians prepare? How do we get ready for life's surprises? particularly the bad ones, the things we don't expect, when the bottom falls out, when we're challenged by things we didn't plan for. In other words, how do we live now? How do we change our behavior, our thinking, our actions? How do we live now as we prepare for the inevitable changes to our plans in the future? What do we do? Can we do anything? Well, frankly, it all comes down to seeing things from the big picture. Seeing the world, not through the lens of how we normally see it, but through the lens of how God sees it. Not as how we think, but as how God thinks and how he acts. And that's precisely what I'm going to talk about today. In this really strange interaction, this, this fight between uh, our Lord Jesus and St. Peter, where Jesus says to Peter in a very friendly, fraternal way. Get behind me, Satan. Strong words. Get to that in a sec. But how does this story, how does this story between, this interaction between Jesus and Peter help us steal ourselves for the surprises in our own lives? Well, we're going to look at that in two, two points today. The challenge of setting your mind. It's point number one. The challenge of setting our mind. And then secondly, setting our minds on the things of God. How do we get ready for changes and challenges? How do we toughen up? How do we get a thick skin as a Christian? Easy. Challenge the challenge of setting your mind and the setting your mind on the things of God. So a little background, shall we? Um, Jesus and his apostles are on their way to the city of Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem of all places? Well, a lot of reasons why you would go to Jerusalem, um, but the reason they're going is because Jerusalem is the capital city of, the, of, the Isra of Israel, and Jerusalem, listen, is where the king's palace is located. King David, years before, hundreds of years earlier, had built this, uh, this palace for himself, which had a nice view of the girl next door. You might, might know that story. I've preached on that. Uh, but that's another matter. That's for another day. Uh, but David built this house for himself in Jerusalem. And in fact, that's why when the wise men, when Jesus is born, go looking for this new king, where do they go? They go to Jerusalem because that's where the king lives. And so the apostles all have an inkling, a suspicion, 
that this Jesus that they're following that called them from the fishermen to be fishers of men, and they've seen him in action. I said it a couple, a couple of weeks ago. Jesus does stuff, and it's not just stuff. It's stuff that points to the Messiah, and they're beginning to wonder, do we have the right guy? They are suspicious. They're beginning to think that maybe Jesus might be this new king they've been waiting for for millennia. And so, off to Jerusalem, they go to claim, listen, to claim the throne. And in fact, Jesus asks Peter, well, he asks asks the apostles, who do people say that I am? John the Baptist, you know, Johnny Carson, whatever. They, They give all these answers, and then he says to the group, who do you say that I am? The Greek there is second person plural. Who do you all say that I am? And Peter, true to form, speaks up and says, you are the Christ. Well, that word Christ means king. So in Peter's mind, they are going to Jerusalem with Jesus as this new king. And they're going to put Jesus on the throne, either by revolution or abdication. Not really quite sure how they're going to do it, but hey, we'll figure that out when we get there. And the money prize, of course, is that Peter, James, and John, they will be on the short list for his cabinet. Men of influence and power, Peter, this nobody fisherman from Galilee, he'll be part, he'll be the new vice president, right? It's kind of like watching Vivek Ramaswamy or Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley, uh, Nikki Haley, as they orbit Trump, presuming he's the nominee of the Republican Party, but they orbit trying to see who can maybe get a shoe in in case he wins in November. Maybe they get a crack at VP or Secretary of State, that kind of thing. The point is, these guys, these, these fishermen, the allure of power and wealth and prestige is tempting. And Peter expects something big from Jesus. He expects a win. He expects to follow a hero. And which is really strange, why when Jesus says, you are the Christ, and then Mark says, he told them plainly, Jesus told them plainly, that, okay, Peter, you're right, but here's the deal. I must go to Jerusalem and be betrayed, killed, and three days later, rise from the dead. Uh, What? (laughs) Excuse me? You know, life is full of surprises, after all. Note that if you go back and look at your, your English there, there's the word must there. It's a Greek word, D-A. And it means that this going to Jerusalem for Jesus to be killed there is not just an accident. It's not a sideshow. It's not a distraction. He must be killed. It's not a distraction from God's plan. It is God's plan. And Peter, he don't like that very much. He didn't like it one bit. Remember what I said before, that life is full of surprises. Well, this is a surprise to Peter. And sometimes surprises in our lives, just like this with Peter, surprises in life are not sometimes things that you like. Here's a perfect example of Peter, whose hopes have instantly been dashed. This guy he'd hoped on was going to get him to where he wanted to be. And now Jesus says, yeah, Peter, I'm going to go and I'm going to get whacked, and that's the end of the story. How do you think Peter felt? How would you feel? You ever been there? Where something, where the bottom fell out, where life gave you some surprise event which you didn't expect, and it changed your entire world? 
If you had asked, let me ask you this. Here's another way to look at it. If you had asked your 25-year-old self, or if you're, under, if you're your younger self, I should say. Some of you are younger than 25. But if you had asked your younger self, where would I be right now? Would you be here? I wouldn't have been. Did your life turn out the way you expected it to turn out? Probably not. Life is always throwing us curveballs. Life is throwing St. Peter a curveball. That is precisely what's going on in Peter's mind. Friends, life is full of surprises. And this one for St. Peter is not good. Who ever heard of a crucified Messiah? In fact, Father Jordan pointed out in our study this morning, there had been lots of would-be messiahs coming into Jerusalem, right? Jesus bar Jonah, another guy named Jesus, a common name. And the way you knew that your messiah was a washout is the Romans killed him. And so to say that your messiah is going to Jerusalem to be killed is a non-starter. Who ever heard of a crucified messiah? So Peter lets Jesus have it. He rebukes him. It's a strong word, epithemeo in Greek. We say Jesus, Peter rebuked Jesus. Have you ever used the word, I rebuke you? I've never said that before in my life. Uh, that word rebuke there is a strong word. It might be like, shut your mouth. What's the matter with you? It's that kind of thing. It's a, it's a combative, uh, not um, profane, but a tense word. What's the matter with you, man? Shut up, Jesus. What are you talking about? You don't know what you're talking about, man. And then Jesus fires back at Peter with the same word, rebuke, epithemeo. Peter, shut your mouth. And this is the money line I want to show you. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Peter, shut your mouth. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Let me nerd out with you for 30 seconds and show you something really cool about biblical linguistics and translation. Here's an interesting thing. That word mind. There is a Greek word for mind. There's a couple of them. I thought, going back into my study this past week, I'd find the word nous, N-O-U-S, in English, in Greek, and it means the ability to make a decision, right? I thought, oh, let, me, let me just double-check it and see. Guess what? That word mind, nous, does not appear in the text at all. In fact, I'd never noticed this before. I went to the Greek last week, but that whole expression, stay with me, that whole expression, setting your mind on the things of, doesn't exist. You know what's there in the, in, the, in the Greek? A line. There's no word there. <laughs> one word. It doesn't say setting your mind on the things of is one word in Greek. Listen, it is the word symphonia. It means what it sounds like. To act together as a unit. To be on the same page for a common mission. To work together. Peter, you are not working in symphonia, tatheos, with God. Give you an example. Last week, we had the Dover Quartet, right there, actually, in this church. I came to watch them. Some of you were here. It was a fantastic uh, musical event here. Um, I was listening to them and, and admiring the music, but I really loved watching them. Some of you were here. You saw it. Because there's no director. There's nobody directing the quartet. They're all keying off of each other. And I'm trying to figure out how they're doing this. And Dr. Barron was telling me sometimes it's like the way you strike a bow or the look of a glance. Or they've, these, these four musicians have worked together so many times they can read each other's body language. They can read the way it's supposed to work. They are in symphonia. 
When I was younger, in high school and in college, I played in rock bands lots of times. Um, and part of the fun of it, aside from making music, part of the fun of working in a band or playing in with other musicians is you get to key off of them. It's like it's a communal thing. You work together to pull together something bigger than yourselves. Symphonia. When I was in high school, I played football. Same kind of thing, team sports, same idea. You've got a group of people working together for a common goal. Symphonia. Jesus says, Peter, Peter, shut up, Peter. <laughs> you are not working in concert, in symphonia with God. You are, you are working in concert with, in symphonia with the things of this world, not with God. Peter, you are thinking in terms of money, fame, prestige, security, safety. Peter, you want the safe life. God, protect us from the safe life. That's what Peter wants, rather than, rather than working in concert with, in symphonia with God. And friends, we all do it. I know I do, and I know you do too. Here's the question I want to challenge you with today. Do you set your mind... Are you setting your mind on the things of this world or the things of God? You know, I think a lot of us, we fall into a trap of just not thinking about this at all. How many of you sat down this morning and said, I'm going I'm to work in symphony with God today. I'm going to really make a decision, a concrete decision in my mind to work with God and not with the things of this world. I didn't do it. You probably didn't either. But we should. Jesus is challenging us to set our minds. Most people, friends, certainly non-believers never do, but most, most Christians even never stop to think, where do I set my mind? Where is my ultimate thing? What am I working towards? Who am I working with in my life? The things of this world or the things of God? See, you and I are members of this parish. We are members of Trinity Church, Trinity Church in Vero Beach. We all have goals that we are working on together as a family. The first and most important one, bring other people to faith in Jesus, but also growing in our own faith so that we can bring other people to faith in Jesus, but also becoming stronger and tougher, becoming faster, stronger, tougher, faster. Anybody know where I got that from? I'll give you a nickel. The $6 million man. By the way, I did the math. Steve Austin came out in 1973. I was five. <laughs> right now, I did the math, and the $6 million man would cost $43,635,000 today. <laughs> but our job, our symphonia, our working with God is to become stronger, better, more effective people in God's plan. That's the point that Jesus is telling you and I, to set your mind. Be intentional. Be deliberate. Be a, be Working intentionally by setting your mind, your, your aspirations on the things of God and not of the things of this world. Because friends, we all fall into that trap. That's the first thing I want to point out to you. My second point then is setting your mind, setting your mind, so working with the things of God. What does that even mean? Well, friends, we are, we are right now in the season of Lent. If you didn't know that, Lent is a season where we are called to uh, take time out of our regular life and be introspective. You can do it lots of ways. Fasting, almsgiving, giving things up, giving up bourbon for Lent or giving up whatever, whatever you, something you give up to train yourself in how to discipline your body, right? But really the key, the important, most important part of Lent 
is introspection, taking and being intentional about thinking about what you place value on in your life, setting your mind, setting your mind, setting your mind not on the things of this world, but on the things of God, of working with a plan, with the symphonia of God, rather than the plan of this world, of training yourself to see the world from God's perspective. Because see, friends, God has a plan. God has a plan. And you and I are critical and unique pieces of it. And people think, oh, my, you know, what, do I, what do I do? I'm a, I'm a whatever. You know, here's the thing. You may be a, a mom or a dad or a grandparent or a husband or a wife or a worker. Whatever you do in your life, whatever circumstances God has placed you in right now, that is your mission field. And he is calling you to set your mind on the things of God to where he has called you in his little part of the vineyard. Because God has a plan for you and me, and you are an absolutely necessary and critical part of it. There are no coincidences in life, none. The circumstances of your life and mine are part of the plan. Peter didn't realize it yet. Peter is surprised, right? Life is full of surprises. Peter is surprised. The idea of a dead Messiah makes no sense at all. It's absurd. But he'll get it. He gets it. Later on, Peter, like you and like me, we forget that God has a plan. It might not be our plan. Oftentimes it's not our plan. But God knows what he's doing. In fact, Paul says this later on. You know this text, Romans 8, 28. All things work to good for those who trust in God. Peter doesn't see it yet, but he will. Let me show you. You know, the great irony, back to the story, the great irony in God's plan, his providence, is that they go to Jerusalem. You know the story. Jesus is arrested, just like he said. He is uh, crucified, just like he said. He's died, just like he said. He's buried, just like he said. And he's raised from the dead, just like he said. And then Peter sees all this. The very same Peter who said, Get, who refused to believe that, Jesus, that this, this death thing had anything meritorious at all. Years later, Peter is arrested himself. Know why? Because he claims he saw Jesus raised from the dead. He's arrested by the Romans for sedition. And rather than deny that he had seen Jesus alive, Peter is crucified, which was punishment. And Peter is crucified not like right side up like Jesus was. He's crucified upside down. Why? Because Peter did not feel worthy to be crucified in the same manner as his Lord. Man, life is full of surprises. And the only way to really navigate this life, friends, is to trust God and remind ourselves over and over again that he knows what he's doing, even when you and I don't. And that's most of the time. You know, I don't, my, uh, my spiritual director once said to me when I was, gosh, 28, 29 years old, Father Gross, Don Gross, said to me, he said to me once, I'll never forget this, he said, uh, he said you know, the only reason God put breath in your lungs today is because he's not done with you yet. Let that sink in, man. The only, he said to me, the only reason you're here today, the only reason God put breath in your lungs today is because he's not done with you yet, Rodriguez. Your mission is not yet complete. That's still true for me, and it's also true for you. This room right now is full of breathing units. All of you seem to be breathing to me. 
which means God put breath in your lungs today, and he put breath in your lungs for one reason. You know what that is? He's not done with you yet. There is a plan, and you are a part of it. I mean, look back at your own life. Look back at the symphonia of, of your own life. Oh, we've got, all, everyone's got these, all these different stories. Take the time in Lent to examine your life and see the symphonia of God working in, on, and through you. See what, how he has done this for you. Or you could say, set your minds on the things of God. Support our work together as a parish. Do the things he has called you to do as you're part of, of our parish family. Friends, let me challenge you today as our Lord challenged Peter. Set your minds not on the things of man, but on the things of God. They are the things that matter, and they are the things that prepare us for the surprises of the future. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for the gift of this life, a life which we all take for granted, a life that is full of surprises, a life in which every moment is a gift. Help us to see, Lord, the plan that you have for us. Help us to set our hearts, our minds, our souls, our very beings, our intentions, all of it, on your plan. Help us to set our symphonia on the, on the work of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.